Coming up, it's one of my favorite days of the year. It's the NBA draft. I love it so much. I love it so much that we are going to do a four-part draft of Palooza extravaganza. This is part two, and it's all next. Let's do it. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. If you missed part one, go check it out. This is part two, me, Rosillo, KOC, first Pearl Jam. All right, we're back for part two, and it is 5.05 p.m. The draft's about to start, and we had a major bomb dropped about 30 minutes ago. Woj reporting that Orlando is now back in on Paolo, potentially. We don't know who's going to be drafted first. We are doing this in real time. Cassie, what happened? Can we believe anything anymore? I thought this was done. Now it's not? No. I mean, I've been reporting for a few weeks now that it wasn't certain with uh, Jabari Smith going first to Orlando. There's still a possibility of a trade. I mean, we'll see what happens here in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so. But I think for the Orlando Magic, they've just been keeping everything close. They, Jeff Weltman, they're, the guy running their front office, has wanted to work in secrecy here. And ultimately, if they do draft, draft Paolo Bencaro with the first pick, that doesn't necessarily mean that they keep him. It could mean that that's where they get their leverage to get Houston to cough up additional draft picks more draft capital in the future to assure that they get their guy. And it could just be one of those types of draft night deals. So a little different than Tatum Fultz because that happened before the draft. Right. Um, but we this could is be more of a leverage that. version yes. of the Tatum Fultz thing. Exactly. And I think that's Rusilla, what they've what been do you, doing. Rusilla, what do you make of all this? Well, you know, I wondered, I always wondered if, you know, if, if they thought Oklahoma City really liked Chet, would they play it that they like Chet the most um, and try to grab a pick to move down? Um, you know, the Houston part of it is weird because it feels like they need everybody. But I guess, you know, the longer you do the evaluation, there ends up being a favor to the whole thing. It just from the Paolo Orlando connection, that one seemed to be the most distant of any of the top three guys. As I said in part one, he never went in. Yeah. 
he never right. went in. And I don't know if that was on Paulo's side of things where it was like, you know what, I'm actually going number one isn't as important. And so I'm not going to be as accommodating or if they felt like Orlando wasn't as interested. I mean, I've heard a million different versions of it. So, um, you know, we'll see because of the three guys, there was, again, there was, there was less, far less contact than there was with Chet and Jabari. Well, fortunately, we have an Orlando Magic expert on this podcast. Steve Cerruti is going to come in. He is uh, embattled. He's traumatized. He's upset. He's anxious. Um, he thought he was getting Jabari. He thought that's where this was going. He wanted Chet. And now you're getting Paolo, a guy that your team didn't even really work out. Uh, I'm terrified because I had, I, was, I was talking to you guys beforehand. I haven't even, the, the possibility of them even taking Paolo hasn't even entered my mind until like 20 minutes ago. And, you know, I just think the other two guys are better fits. I know, like, listen, if they like Paolo best, Take him and don't look back. I don't, the workout stuff, whether he wants to be there, I, I, just take him if you think he's going to be the best guy in the draft. I understand that. But there has been no talk of this. The Vegas odds have, have been completely weird. Maybe there's a trade coming. Who knows? But, I mean, if he didn't, didn't want to work out there, that, that's, that's terrifying to me. I, I just don't feel good about this right now. So let's talk through this here. Orlando has, when was the latter? It was mid-May. They've had like six weeks to think about this. I'm pretty sure I can make a decision about literally anything in six weeks. Like you, you, where I'm going to dinner tonight, what car I'm going to get, you name it, I can make a decision in six weeks. You can give me as much information as possible. I would figure it out. I don't understand how we're a half hour before the draft and Orlando allegedly doesn't know who they're going to pick, which makes me think, back to the original point, this is all a Houston leverage play. They feel like they can get Jabari at three, who's the guy they want. And they're just trying to extract something from Houston. That's the only explanation here. So does that make you feel better that they're playing a little high-speed chess here? Maybe. I mean, I, they asked Jeff Weltman right after the lottery if he had a, if the draft was tomorrow. Like, do you know who you'd pick? And he said definitively yes. So <laughs> that's, I, I don't know. Maybe he flip-flopped then. Maybe it's the same guy as it was then. Um, I, don't, I just don't understand why Houston, why wouldn't Houston just call Orlando's bluff? They're sitting in the third spot. They could basically do no wrong there unless they only want Paulo as their guy, which has gone against pretty much everything that we've heard. They they kind of said they'd be happy with any of the three. Um, Paulo seems to want to go there and play with Jalen Green. Mm. If you can get a pick out of it, and and the thing is, are they going to draft him and then just hope that Houston panics and then trades for a guy that you didn't even really want in the first place? Like that's again, this is why this is terrifying to me. I just don't, I don't like. We need more information. Rosillo, uh, can you can you remember that happening before, Rosillo, a team? Just basically drafting a guy, hoping that it would lead to the trade, but not sure if they would keep him or not. Uh, I, I think. Well, you're you're kind of you're eeing me here, where I used to love where they would do this, where they'd be like, "Hey, you know, to <laughs> uh, be like, hey, name name the last four times Paul Pierce no, like shot, like and you're like, Sacramento well, would have done. <laughs> right. uh, has it happened? I'm I'm sure it has happened. Off the top of my head, do I know for certain the timeline of events where there was I don't nothing actually agreed? There was it was just full leverage. But I, I think backing up on all of this, I don't care what anybody says publicly. Okay, first of all, Houston's in the third spot. They're not going to say, "Yeah, we actually really love Ooh. Chet. We'll be pissed if he's not there." Okay, sounds oh, like we have sorry. a we have a we have a noise. Wait, give us What is it? Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. is going second to the Thunder. So Paolo's one, Jabari two, and Chet's going to be three to Houston? Sorry, Ryan. Involuntary noise. <laughs> so as we're watching on the feed, Paolo just got picked. 
So the thunder is just, oh my God. I mean, think about it. We spent six weeks talking about this draft. It's completely different. <laughs> Nothing is right. Nothing. Not one thing. FanDuel had all these odds and it was, they had like the top five you could bet and they had all these scenarios. This was not one of the scenarios that you could even wager on. So Palos first, allegedly to Orlando. We'll see. But if there was the, if it's there was in. a trade down, now they're, well, but I mean, could they be trading down? We don't know. But if OKC is taking Jabari second, then that ruins the trade. So now, Sarudi, so you're going to have Paolo and him. Franz Wagner. I I don't love the fit, but again, if I guess if you're if you're taking one and you don't worry about fit, you just have to say I want the you know who's the guy that I think could be on all, on an All NBA team in a couple of years. Who's the guy that I think could be the best player on a championship team? Ryan. KOC, a bunch of people who you know we really trust. Think he's the best player in the draft. He's certainly the most pro ready guy. I always thought Paolo was the best. Uh, I always thought uh, Jabari was the best fit just because they need shooting and they have playmaking from other areas. Uh, I, I I can't imagine that they want Chet now, so I guess they're just stuck with him. So hopefully they were hopefully they were banking stuck on the Houston trade. I, I, imagine stuck, you're stuck with, with the guy who took number one. Yeah. Wow. Cut. All right. First okay. of all, can we back up here? Do you think an NBA team would take Paolo here? And then, like, there aren't all these different paths to different plans that they would go into it minutes before the number one pick and be like, all right, we're not sure what's going to happen behind us. So let's take Paolo, hoping we have trade leverage later on. Like, how about this? Maybe they were just really secretive about it. Maybe they always like Paolo. Maybe everything everyone has said publicly, none of it mattered because, uh, you know, they, they, they evaluated it and they went ahead. And, and by the way, like, Saruti, I'm sorry, but when your team stinks, I don't want to hear about fit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not saying I'm not saying they should. And, you know, I guess I I, w- I haven't even mentally processed this yet, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I just I have I was so in on Chet or Jabari and, and I haven't even really I haven't even really dug deep on what Paulo even means to this team. I guess you're just saying, screw it. We're just going to accumulate the talent. We don't care about the fit with Franz. We don't care about the fit with the rest of the guys. He's the best dude in the draft. Um, well, here's the I- thing. As you said, KOC and Rosillo and many other people whose opinions I really trust, who spent a lot of time in this draft, decided that Paolo is the best prospect in the draft. So it's not like they took Hashim to beat here. Like they did take somebody who a lot of people really like. And by the way, if the worst case scenario is he's just better with Franz Wagner and they're redundant, you could always trade Franz Wagner. It's true. You do know a lot of Franz though. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I don't think they are redundant, though. I mean, like, you know, we talked about the Cerruti with Wagner. He can play so many different roles for you. He can play with the ball, without the ball. He can slash the rim. He can spot up. And Bancaro, that's the benefit of him. Like, you know, like, you know, Ryan and I said in part one of the podcast with Bancaro, you mentioned the play where, you know, he's attacking closeouts, Ryan, dishing the ball to Mark Williams. He can play from the perimeter, but he can also post up for you and have spacing around him, like with Wagner. Or you could bring back, you know, Mo Bamba and go oh, with, boy, a super, go. <laughs> <laughs> with a super with, with, with a supersized front court if you want to with two bigs or maybe Bancaro is able to grow defensively and be, become more of a small ball five in a lot of different lineups. So I, I think with Orlando, even though he doesn't fit the general type of vibe that uh, we've seen those front offices go with in the past with length, Bancaro still provides the type of versatility lengthy players typically provide. So I, I love the pick for Orlando. Um, number one player on my board. I think they made the right choice, assuming they even keep him. We'll see. Rosillo, do you just stripping out all the weirdness? Do you like the pick? I do. I do. Uh, you know, the shooting wouldn't say it was always great, but it's still 34%. He makes his free throws. He averaged over six assists per 100 possessions. Hmm. Uh, 
and I, I think you can immediately run some high ball screen with them. And, you know, I'm not saying you want to run it every single possession, but oh, it, when, the way I look at my favorite basketball teams is, do you have a bunch of different guys that can create something offensively? And sometimes that is something that, um, can, I, I guess you would say like, there's, there's good overlapping and bad overlapping. The bad overlapping is when guys don't learn to play together. It's usually run, younger players and all that kind of stuff. But the game, like I never want to hear anymore there's only one basketball. Because in the playoffs, if you start putting a couple players out there that you don't need to guard, it clogs everything else up. And so I like somebody that can hit a shot, can make a pass, and you know can dribble himself in and out of trouble if he needs to create something on the fly. And, and I think he does all of those things better than the other two guys at this point. So, Rudy, is it possible for Orlando to ever have a normal draft or no? We've just given up. <laughs> like, they couldn't have just told us they were taking Palo a week ago. What What is the point of the drama? I mean, they've, they've been notorious. Under this, like, regime, they've been notoriously tight-lipped. Not, a lot, nothing really leaks from them. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe this shouldn't be as, that much of a surprise considering that. I mean, just all of the chatter, though, around it makes this confusing, though. Like, it didn't It didn't seem like... It seemed like Palo really wanted to go to Houston or OKC, specifically Houston. Um, you know, we talked about the different fit stuff. I, I'm not as much worried about the defense with Paul. Like, I think they've got enough good defenders around him there. It'll probably be fine. Um, man, I just, it's, it's, it's wild oh. now. Go ahead. Wait, KOC says Chris Haynes had number two wrong. And now we're about to get the number two pick. Yeah. Haynes and it's Chet Holmgren. Yeah. Oh yep. man, here we go. We're, it's back. We're back on. <laughs> Yep. I'm glad we did this in real time because people can can listen to how freaking crazy all this is. Okay. <laughs> so Chet is now going second to OKC. That means Houston will take uh, Jabari right. and then we will have a flip, potentially. I'm on the edge of my seat, Rosillo. Rosillo looks like he's about to have a child. I uh, I, I got a bunch of texts coming in. Your face. The Jabari thing fucked me up because I texted you guys before we started i was like it's paolo and it's chet it's one two and so that jabari thing sent me scrambling because then i started texting people as we were talking going what the fuck like don't mess with me <laughs> and don't you know now, who i am now i feel you a think little you're bit better, better. Than me? <laughs> now i feel a little bit better uh because i think this is where chet wanted to go all along yeah well here's here's what happened here by the way and i'm glad Rudy's here here's what happened so Rudy did mental gymnastics for six weeks with this pick, all right? And you have to talk yourself into the risk of Chet. And the fucking guy did it. He may have even ordered a jersey. <laughs> and now he ended up with one of the three guys that he wasn't even DMing with. Nope. And he's like, wait, I'm supposed to go to Tulum and this is who I'm bringing? Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I had, I had different material plan for Chet or, you know, with Jabari, I had some different outfits, but like, I don't even know Paolo that well. Where did he go to school? <laughs> and so it's, he, it's not that it's not going to work out. It's just, he's been completely thrown off the day of the flight. No, I talked myself into Jabari plug and play guy. This can be a, a potential playing team next year. Like I think they're not that bad. The roster isn't that bad. When Markel Fultz came back at, uh, at the end of last year, they're like a floating around a 500 team. Like, I think they could be decent next year. And I just was like, all right, plug, plug Jabari in there. Their biggest weakness is three-point shooting. Like, in my mind, I'm like, this makes sense. I was mentally preparing myself for them to not take Chet. The Paolo thing, like, he's the guy that is, that's the biggest wild card to me for this Magic team because he, yes, he probably has the biggest star power. He does the most things. Um, and he's probably, 
I don't know, you could maybe say he's the safest pick because he just all the, of all the skill set and things that he does well. I'm less concerned about the defense um, than some other people. I know, Ryan, you talked about it. Like guys at Duke, like it'll, it'll, it'll be all right in the long run. But like I had lineup situations that I was already figuring out with Chet and Jabari. I have no lineup situations with Paolo. I have no idea like how this is even going to fit. <laughs> Um, what what free agency moves they make if they try to whether or not they bring back Mobamba like this is all totally up in the air to me. But you're sitting here and you go if Houston really <laughs> still wanted Jabari, I'm sorry, if Houston really still wanted Paulo, yeah, is is it still in play? Like, is it still in play that this that there could be a move here? It should still be in play. I don't see why not. Yeah, I, mean, I think what, yeah. I think we should say that though. Like this again could be hilarious because we're talking about Paulo in Orlando, and then you know who knows? But, yeah. yeah, let's um. Let's shift to chat really quickly. So he does go to OKC. We'll find out what happens with Paolo and Jabari in a second. Chet at OKC. He's with Poku. First of all, great buddy cop movie, Chet and Poku. I would, I would definitely watch that. Maybe a, maybe even a limited series. Actually, Shams just tweeted that Poku's demanding a trade. <laughs> Poku's like, I'm out. There's only room for one of us. Uh, KOC, just Chet, SGA, Josh Giddy. Let's just take those three. Put what Trey Mann we- in there because you and I have forgotten Trey Mann in the past. Yeah. I actually liked what I saw from yeah. this year. Trey, okay. Trey Mann really finished that year strong, Ryan. So what would you add now? What's the next move? What's the next piece for them? You keep talking about our guy Victor next year, all that stuff. Um, but I think every bad team who's not going to make the playoffs is probably thinking of him at this point. What it, What's like, are they a year away? Are they two years away? What's What's the timetable now? I mean, SGA said in his exit interview uh, with Thunder Media that they're going to be taking a step forward this year, which, I mean, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> I don't think they're quite as ready <laughs> as SGA hopes they are. Um, so I think for Oklahoma City, you're right, Bill. Every, every bad team is going to want uh, Victor Wembanyama next year. But Oklahoma City has more picks than anybody ever. So I think they're positioned to do what they want to do. They could trade SGA away if they want to get worse during the year. I think for OKC, what's next? It's simply just adding more quality talent. It's not anything specific. You mean like a Kevin Durant? No, I'm not. I wouldn't go that far yet. No, I wouldn't add a veteran. I think for OKC, okay. it's staying young, biding your time, waiting for that next crop of superstars who might be available in two or three years because they're not close yet. Just stay young and focus on development with Dagnall as their head coach. Continue what continue what they've been doing since they traded their veterans away. Nothing. I'm major. at the point where I, I don't know. Would you want to be SGA at this point? He's been in the league now. He starts out with the Clippers, goes to OKC, and basically he's been put in the fridge year after year, like around February. And I, at some point, I would just be like, can I just play a whole season and try to make All-NBA and try to be on a good team? Like, how, how many years do I have to do this? You know, Yeah, like if, he's, if, ask, he was, if he was okay with this, it would concern me. Right. So, if like, if KOC's uh, Victor Wambayama theory is correct, it would almost make more sense for, did I say it? How close was I on the pronunciation, KOC? Pretty good. Victor, you know, a, a B, B minus C plus something. What, like that. How do you say it? Victor Wenbanyama. I've been Wen, nailing Wen Giannis and Tedekumpo for like three years, so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, in a year from now, I'll be nailing it. Yeah, Wenbanyama. You got a year, dude. Yeah, yeah. But if eleven uh, months, if they're looking at him, maybe SGA. Like at at some point, maybe think about moving him if you want to bottom out one more time. I don't know. I just I feel bad for him. I don't like when players are just stuck on these lottery teams. They actually win more games than you would expect, too. Like for the yeah. weirdest thing about all the tanking teams this year, like kind of taking Saruti's Orlando point a little bit further, you had all these teams that were supposed to be terrible, 
And I felt like the last couple of weeks of the season, like Orlando was playing really hard. Thunder weren't games. Um, Portland was the one that was like, you guys think you're going to tank? Wait until, you, wait until you see what we do the last couple of months. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, we could talk all about wanting Victor here, stay first name basis. But, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean like you still have this pretty low chance of locking it in. So, um, yeah, KOC, that never made a ton. Of, I, I just didn't understand that because if he's this generational guy that everybody's talking about, it doesn't matter how many picks you have or if you throw an SGA, like whatever team gets the first pick is likely to take him because if he's that generational talent, why would they trade that away for a bunch nobody of Nobody trades that. Yeah, nobody and, trades And that. so I, I just, I don't really understand that. And, and here, let me zag a little bit on Hinky just for a second. Or I'm, I'm on, uh, on, on Presti for a second. Oh, he kind of yeah, has, the, he kind of has this Hinky vibe <clears> to him where like, it's just like we're just pushing it down. Which, you know, he's got a bunch of picks. He's pushing it down the river. They don't have to be competitive. It's 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 been a decent amount of time here. Like, there's no better situation than going there and him just saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to be good in like three to four years and just keep accumulating all this talent." I, he has like the best situation in the NBA right now. Yeah, I don't love that because you know I don't know maybe make it to an NBA Finals before you're going to make that comp. Yeah, he's got the, he's got the resume obviously, but I I at some point like you've got the, the SGA thing. He's like almost too old to be a part of that rebuild, as you were saying, Bill. Like it just well, doesn't he doesn't fit the timeline. The one thing I'd say about when Benyama next year is the fact that like Luka didn't go number one and he was this generational prospect. Like teams always talk their way out of certain pros- pro players. So, and Scoot can let's, go, man. We'll, Scoot we'll, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's other great prospects next year, too. It's one year away. We'll see. Keegan Murray, number four to the Kings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They did it. I, I mean, A lot of people want to trade in that spot, right? At some point, you just have to take the pick as an asset and do the best possible thing with the asset. And they said, now nah, we're actually going to... So now Detroit, isn't Ivy like the ultimate guy you'd want to put next to Kate or am I crazy? I love it. It should be Ivy at number five. Is Kate yeah. going to be uh, your new CP3, Priscilla? Like, do you, is there going to be a torch passing ceremony? I don't know. That's going to happen. There's nothing like your first love, man. <laughs> Second wave. This draft, I, I just can't get over. So we have Jabari at three. We might have a trade. We have the King saying, fuck it. And taking Keegan Murray over Ivy, who had clearly had more value than anything. And then Detroit's going to end up with Ivy at five, which is they were dying to have that happen. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, um, wait, we, we'll find we got to make sure we pay attention to Ivy's face. Because if he's pretending he's disappointed, that he's still waiting around when he did <laughs> nothing to like. And right. I remember t- I, I was talking to another team this week. I go, you're just going to take them. And they go, you know how scary it is when you don't like the guys has zero reciprocation whatsoever. And yeah. you don't have the medicals. You don't have any of that stuff. And then you got an owner. So anyway. Okay. We're taking a break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. and. They're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. 
So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a word winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So I got to ask where the pick is in for the Kings and we know they're going to take Murray. Are we sure the Pistons shouldn't parlay this Ivy pick into a bunch of stuff potentially? Or do you think Ivy is 100% the right guy? What would you do, KSC? You're running the Pistons right now. They might because the Knicks have been trying to trade up to get Jaden Ivy. And I've heard throughout the day that the Knicks will move number 11. It's just a matter of whether it's up, down, out. So there's still a possibility a trade could happen here. But I, I ultimately, I think the Jaden Ivy, you know, Cade Cunningham fit is is really nice. Th- having those two guys together, they can play with or without the ball. If they decide to keep it, I get it. Um, but it depends on like how, how much are they being offered for a team to move up if they do want to move down. Because I'm with you there. Like there's logic to taking multiple pieces. What if you add Aiton to that and now you have Aiton, Cade Cunningham, and Jaden Ivy, and that's your foundation? It's pretty good. It's pretty nice. Can I ask KOC a Keegan question? Uh, I spent a lot of time on it. When it's when it's good, it's real. What what do you think all of our collective like holdup is with him? Because I felt like, hey, I really like him, but I, I obviously there's other guys, you know, I felt differently about. I mean, I I think with him, at least for me personally, there's like a little bit of the the lack of shot creation, some Horford there, where he's just relying on others to create for him. And so, I mean, if if, if you know, you you keep De'Aaron Fox. He averages twenty nine points per game after the Ta- Tyrese Halliburton trade. You have Davion Mitchell. Sabonis can create too. For the Kings specifically, maybe that doesn't matter as much. You just want the best finisher pro- possible since you have so much creation from other sources. So I, I think that's my hesitation. And like in a vacuum, comparing him to some of like the Matherin, Ivy, and Sharp, and all these guys who are creators. Um, but for Keegan Murray, I, I, I like the fit in Sacramento. I just wish they drafted him lower than four. I, I do genuinely like the fit. Just four is a little high. I'm going to weigh in with a Keegan Murray opinion. I really like him. Good player. I think he, I think, look, if Ivy doesn't want to be the Kings and you couldn't find a trade, you like, I get the mentality of let's just take this guy who really fits in with what we have. Did you see, did you look at the career PR in college and Murray's PR? Last season was like 37. And it was, I think Zion was 40. Zion has the record in college for since they've been measuring PR, but Murray was way up there. But it's just like, could he be a 30, could he be a 39% three-point shooter and somebody who gets like seven, eight rebounds a game and pretty good defender? I guess the question is, is that, is that the fourth pick? Well, he's also 20. If it's seven. Yeah, I'd also feel better if he wasn't 22 in August. Um, yeah. But you can tell when you watch a play, he's coached really well. He's really smart. The transition numbers are really good. The spot numbers are good. I mean, when you watch him, you like him. There, there's no doubt. I just, it always feels like with him, there's another little gear that you would want him to get to. And he showed some of that in the Big Ten tournament game where, I mean, he went off in one of those games, KOC. And across the board, you're right. Like every single, if you look at all of his possession, points per possession stuff, transition, 
excellent ratings, you know, all the synergy stuff, spot up, excellent, post, excellent. Um, offensive rebounds, it's usually pretty high efficiency when you're grabbing a lot of boards. I think he's kind of a nice combo hybrid forward. I just like Jaden and I like Matherin. And I think Dyson Daniels were all guys I would take ahead of him at his age. Yeah, that's that's the weird part for them. I mean, like you'd like the fit, you know, for Sacramento given their current roster. But ultimately, you do wonder, and we don't know all the details yet, but you wonder, could they have gotten enough in a trade down to still get Murray or another prospect of near equal caliber in addition to other draft assets, other players? Because that's what we heard about for a long time now with teams offering like Atlanta offering John Collins and their first rounder for the number four pick. That's too far for Sacramento to fall down in the draft. But I wonder if there was something out there from from Indiana at number six. They wanted Ivy or Murray as well at number four. Or even a team like number uh, nine with San Antonio. There was talk about them wanting to move up. So we don't know all the details of what was out there right now, but I like the fit. Uh, I think it's a good fit for them. It's just about drafting him four ahead of some of those other prospects. That's where uh, it's not an A-plus selection. Woj has the Pistons pick in. It's Jaden Ivey. Okay. Man. So Pistons, I can already see the A-plus for the draft for them and the draft grades. This is great. I mean, some people said Ivey could be even better than the fourth pick in this draft. They get him five. I thought there was a chance they might trade up for him, throw in a future first, something like that. What else is going on Twitter, Sarudi? Anything? Well, people are talking about, could this be, is this again a King's moment of them passing on a generational talent to take somebody who isn't? For example, they picked Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. They Bill paid, still likes him. That's true. He's still, you know, shout out to Detroit. Um, they I passed do. on Damian Lillard, took... Uh, Took took pass him on with the fifth, with the sixth pick in the draft, and then they famously took Jimmer for debt ten, and then Clay Thompson went eleven. So this is just the history of the Kings passing. Oh, there's on way guys. more. Yeah, there's way more than that too. <laughs> yeah, we could have done seven other ones. And this is just lining up to be to be part, you know, seventy five of that again. It's tough because now this is all self inflicted, but the Kings are in the no win situation where if they took another point guard, it would have been hilarious because it would have been four straight right four straight drafts for them, like taking. Basically, a guy who could be your lead ball handler, so that we would no, because Bagley, Bagley, oh yeah, Bagley's in there. Yeah, four out of five. Um, And the best one they they traded away, and the best one again they probably passed on in this draft. So they they have like the the two worst of those guards probably on the roster right now. Is it fair to say that the Kings taking Murray over Ivy increases your confidence that Ivy's going to be really good now? <laughs> it's like the opposite of a, someone taking a Spurs, Spurs taking a guy and you're like, oh, this guy's definitely going to hit. When the Kings right. I used to you, do that. He's guaranteed to be great. I used to do that with the Spurs. I don't know that I, I do it anymore. Uh, you know, and when we're laughing when it's not Ivy, I, I hope people understand that we're not laughing at Keegan. We're just not. We're just going like, all right, Sacramento's I think Keegan's good. Yeah. 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 I, I just, just think- it, it, it's tough though because he, Ivy, by all accounts, seems to be the last guy with the superstar ceiling in this draft. Unless somebody out of nowhere in a later pick just... Nah, there'll be somebody. Together. There'll be somebody uh, after 10 who's going to be really are, are good. We, are, superstar? We sh- are we sure with Murray? I mean, I, I don't believe he has superstar level upside, but are we sure he doesn't? You know, with his size, 6'8", defensive versatility, knockdown shooter. He was a late bloomer in high school, a late bloomer in college. He was on the bench his freshman year. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes these guys, I mean, like they're off, not just, but... they're just not following the same trajectory that we are typically used to for stars. But I mean, what's your, he, what's your comp for him? Best case I, scenario. 
I think for the in the draft guide we had Horford, uh, Warren, TJ Warren, and Pascal Siakam. Different flavors, you know. I was thinking Siakam. Cons. I thought Siakam yeah. seems to be the one that, you know, somebody who can get to twenty points a game, and you're never really sure how each game, other than the threes, um, versatile defender, all that stuff. Yes, I like that he was. I mean, he was dominant in the Big Ten. That should count for something. It's not like he was, you know, playing in the Patriot League. All right, so Ivy has officially been picked. Oh, Pacers. Well, it was just tweeted. Matherin, number six. Mm. Ooh. Oh, man. They got some gamers on the Pacers. So that'd be Matherin, Duarte, Halliburton. Oh, oh man. That's a nice backcourt. You know, league pass. Rosillo, you really, you dwell like very few others with the non-playoff teams on league pass. You'll give you'll give teams a long look. I'd like to change that in the future, but yeah. No, <laughs> you'll give you'll give them you'll give them long, extra long looks. But that league pass, there's really not gonna not be a lot of bad teams next year. Even the bad teams are gonna be really fun to watch. Like Orlando, Detroit, Indiana. They're teams like I I actually would want to watch. Yeah, and they're gonna look even different. I mean, Miles Turner, I think right now is the active leader in being available. Um he signed that a John Collins? deal. I feel like Turner's been available sooner. I feel like as soon as he signed his four-year extension, he was available. He's been available for three years. And then Brogdon, who just doesn't play enough. So we can hear about Brogdon's name and all these different rumors. And Collins is definitely a one seed in that conversation. Maybe timeline-wise, you can find something before Turner. I don't know. I mean, Turner's been around a little bit longer. so I think Who else is in your, uh, on your available All-Stars? Taylor Horton Tucker? All stars or just available? Just av- the available. Oh, team. he doesn't have to be an all star. First yeah. team, yeah, yeah. Taylor Horton Tucker. As soon as he signed that one, LeBron I think Grant, like, I th- I could see Grant Williams easing into there next season. I think twenty four <laughs> playoff games of Grant. I think everybody was looking forward to the vacation on the Celts, including Amy Adoka. I think I read too many articles about PJ Tucker to the Sixers today. Because like every time it was like has interest and they went through seven reasons why it won't happen. And I was like, okay. Um, but no, PJ's, you know, kind of floating around the last couple of years with this. Matherin, yeah, by on- the way, uh, oh, go ahead. Do you still have no, a thought on go. that? No, you go. You go. I'm telling you, everyone that spent time with this guy loved him. The interviews, the workouts, when you watch him play, I was like, where's this guy from and what's his background? And it was tough. He plays that way. Uh, I still don't, I can't believe they lost the Houston tournament, but if you go to the TCU game, him having these big time moments, this is Stanford Steve's favorite player of the entire draft class, by the way, just a little sprinkle Mm. of Pac-12 knowledge for you. But he was, not to go Mark Jackson on you, but as impressive as he was as a player, he was just as impressive as a person. (laughs) You did go Mark Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Special talent. Special player. KOC, what do you think of him? And being a father is even more important than being a point guard. (laughs) (laughs) Father's Uh, Day. Father's Week. Are we yeah. talking about a, a, a Benedict Matherin, Mark Jansen caught pair or no. how Matherin fits with the Pacers back? <laughs> yeah, give us that. Give us that. <laughs> Luck okay, lineage right. of Pacers guards. Dude. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Segway. I mean, <laughs> great transition here. Uh, Matherin, I mean, like Jackson. Uh, no, but Matherin with Halliburton, those two guys, I'm so excited to see like Halliburton's playmaking with Matherin's ability to play with and without the ball because we saw Zona. Mm. 
as a freshman, he's rocking off ball, coming off screens, cutting to the rim. Then as a sophomore, they put the ball in his hands and he's a creator, one of the primary creators for that team. So with Halliburton, we already know how smart he is, how IQ, how high IQ of a player that he is with his ability to play on and off the ball. So what Indiana's building here is a team with a bunch of multiple uh, guys you can play with and without. And so I think with that backcourt, you get the speed and the explosiveness and the intensity of Matherin with kind of that fluidity, herky-jerkiness of Halliburton. I don't know. I'm fired up about how those guys are going to be able to play together. And then Miles Turner with those guys, no Sabonis in the front court next to them. We might see the best version ever of Miles Turner, too. I have a hot take. I would trade Brogdon for Julius Randle if I was the Pacers. I actually think Julius Randle is now too low. His value has has gone too low for a guy who was one of the 10 best players in the league a year ago. And obviously... Had a weird year, and I get it, but he was also on a weird team that I think, um, I don't know why it went sideways, but, you know, people were talking about Brogdon being worth like the 10th pick, the 11th pick. I just don't think he stays on the court enough. And if the Knicks, if the Knicks are hot for him and you could just flip him into Randall, just fundamentally, that's a good basketball trade. And Randall fits into the other people they have on this team. So um, I'm just throwing that one out there because it does seem like they're going to trade Brogdon, but... I think Brogdon's one of those guys that just doesn't seem to have the actual value that seems to be perceived in some of these fake trade stuff. Like if if like if the Knicks traded the eleventh pick for him, I, I just think that would be bonkers. That wasn't happening. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Sarudi, any uh, any update on Jabari Palo? No, I mean it's. I it feels like if it was gonna if we were gonna find out about a trade, it would happen by now, right? There's no way. Like apparently he's going to talk to the media. He's already done multiple interviews. I mean, I know the hat thing over the years has been weird because you you'll always go back in time and see a guy wearing a wrong hat talking about how he's going to be on a different team in a couple of uh, in a couple hours. But it seems like it's done. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm being a homer. Um, and I'm and I'm sort of talking myself into this. But you go Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner. <laughs> Paulo Vaquero and <laughs> Wendell Carter him. Jr. Isaac off the bench. Who knows? Your boy Bamba's coming back. Name me a better young roster in the league right now. Name me, name me a, a young roster on like a on a lottery team that you'd rather have than that. Like, would you well, rather be OKC with, with 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 their with their group? I don't know. I think I think it's close. I'd certainly. I mean, I guess you could say Ivy and Cade is really fun as a duo, but what's the rest of that team look like as a five? That's an awesome five to build around, and it's going to be a fun watch next year. The only thing though is that now with Ivy there, it takes the pressure off of Killian. It's true. Yeah. For your guy Killian. Yeah. yeah what, what does this mean for Killian Hayes' future? <laughs> I like it for him. He could kind of yeah. reset Third emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Lower expectations. Yeah. Uh, have him play great defense as he has his first two years. Just needs to learn how to shoot. Just kind of. You know what's crazy? There's so many teams now that Aiton is like the perfect. So many younger teams that aren't that good that where Aiton's like the perfect max guy for them. New. Like he makes sense for OKC too. Makes sense for San Antonio. You could argue it makes sense for Indiana if they were just going to trade Turner. Definitely Detroit. Like going down the line, everybody could use that guy. It's, it continues to be amazing to me that the Suns didn't lock that down a year ago and that they left the door open for this. He's getting the max. And I don't think they're going to want to pay it. So we'll see what happens. Portland is he worth the, the max for, for Detroit? You think, he you is think that's me. worth it? I, I, he is to me. I could also see Detroit trying to do an OKC here where they go into the, the season with some cap space. Or, you know, try to pick up an asset here or there. Portland's up at seven. Portland was trying to trade, allegedly, uh, seven for OG and Anobi. Toronto was saying no. We didn't talk about this in part one. 
I was stupefied that Toronto wouldn't be like, you're going to give us the number seven pick for OG and Anobi. That's great. We'll do that right now. He's like 17, 18, 19 million a year. He's been in the league, I think for six years because he missed his first year. He's hurt. And I just kind of feel like he is what he is. I, I don't like him as much as other people like him. What, a, what am I missing with him, KOC? Why do, why do people think Ananobi for the seven is actually like a deal Toronto wouldn't do? And it doesn't seem like they would. With OG Ananobi, I, I, don't, I don't think you're necessarily missing anything with him. Like people know who he is. It, it's just about for Toronto, short-term contracts, can, can he be flipped into something long-term that can provide go-to scoring? They experimented with that early in the season with OG Ananobi. He was isolating far more often, running more pick and rolls. And then over the course of the year, we saw Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam get that responsibility. And OG was not that great doing it. I mean, it's nice yeah. that he can do it far more than he did before. But the lack of creation there is one of the things that Toronto's missing. So I think for them, you know, the, those discussions are about getting a player who can do that, whether it's for in the draft or whether it's in a trade. I, I wouldn't expect them to trade OG and an OB unless it's for like a move up uh, in the like in terms of that shot creation department. Blazers pick is in. It's a spicy one. It's shade and sharp. Shade and sharp to the Blazers, okay. which is which is exactly the type of thing that you know maybe Toronto would want in a trade, but for Portland, that that's a little funky. Sharp's not ready to play. That feels and like a trade. They, yeah, if they if they keep Shade and Sharp, you're you might be getting the best long term talent, which I think he is. I have him fourth on my big board, uh, so I love the pick in that sense. But for a team that says they're trying to win with Damian Lillard, just traded for Jeremy Grant. Shader Sharp isn't necessarily a guy who's going to help you his rookie year, uh, maybe until his second year because he's so raw. You have Sharp fourth overall? KFC? Yeah, I have, him, I have him fourth on my big board. So you had him, what, ahead of Cheddar? Ahead I, of Ivy. Ahead of Ivy. Okay. I just think well, how, how, how did you get there? Because the, the footage on him was limited and the EYBL stuff is as fascinating. He already plays like my hamstring hurts James Harden as a teenager. And the shot goes in like all the time. So it's just, he's a weird evaluation. Now with Shaden Sharp, it's just the type of thing where like, I just love the scoring ability. And yep. in the J Kyle man analysis video, he got into some of the footage of his lower level, you know, before EYBL where he's playing in a team context where the goal is to actually win games. And that's where you see some of the passing the desire to pass. That's where you see some of the effort on defense coming in, help side, you know, using his athleticism to use the rule of verticality inside the paint to help. That's where I think the, the true shade and sharp appears with what he can do as an overall player. And personality wise, you hear stuff about how he's super quiet, but everything I've heard about him is that this, this dude is in the gym. Like he genuinely works at his game, wants to become the best he can possibly. So it's partially Intel based with personality and also, I just think some of the stuff at lower levels prior to EYBL is just uh, insane. And real quick, too, Schmitz, Mike Schmitz from ESPN, now one of the assistant GMs of Portland. Another team was telling me, like, he probably had more access to Sharp than anyone else because ESPN had access to some of the other stuff that they were doing. So yeah. it was just something that it was like a note this week where I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then, you know, so if they keep him, not worth, uh, you know, whatever, it's worth mentioning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, a possibility I was thinking is if OKC is trying to trade up from 12 to 7, and maybe it's like 12 and Lou Dort for 7 so they can get Sharp, because they were they were rumored for Sharp for a while that they wanted to trade up from 12. So if Portland's trying to win now, that's the kind of trade where you could get Lou Dort at 
and then plus whoever at 12, now you got two guys for the one, but we'll see. The Schmitz thing is an interesting piece to this because you're right. I mean, he, I'm just interested in general to see how he's going to do with them, but this is the type of thing like he would have had more insight on this guy than just about anybody. Um, we're going to wrap up part two. Steve Cerruti, thanks for joining us. Thanks Appreciate to Dylan Berkey. It. Thanks to Kyle Crane for producing. We're coming back for part three, which is going to be picks eight through 16. It'll probably be a little shorter than this one. And then uh, we'll do a winners and losers much later. Thanks. I wanna see them on a